to Acts chapter 15, if you will. Acts chapter 15. I've entitled this, A Good Fight. Baptists are known as the Battling Baptists, and we have richly deserved that reputation. A lot of churches battle so much, they shouldn't be called uh, Baptists, they should be called battlers. Uh, Let's just begin with verse 1 of Acts chapter 15. It says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, when Paul and Barnabas had Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them. They determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. So being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia and Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. When they'd come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. But some of the sect of the Pharisees who believed rose up saying, It is necessary to circumcise them and command them to keep the law of Moses. And the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. When there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word and the gospel and believe. So God knows the heart according to knowledge to them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us and made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts in faith. Now, therefore, why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to hear or bear? But we believe that through grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had worked through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James answered and said, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon has declared how God at first visited the Gentiles to take out among them a people for his name. And with these words of the prophets agree just as it is written. After this I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may see the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name says the Lord who does all these things. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for today. We thank you for all that you're about in our lives. Father, would you just calm our hearts and our minds. And and Lord, uh, speak to us as only you can. Let your word go forth in strength and power. Father, I pray that Jesus will be lifted up and glorified during this time. And that, Father, we know that if he is lifted up, he will draw men and women, boys and girls, to himself. Father, I especially pray for any that are sitting with the sound of my voice. That, Lord, if they have not accepted Jesus Christ publicly as their personal Lord and Savior, that uh, they will do that uh, this very hour. And for those who need to make spiritual decisions, I pray they'll do that also. In Christ's name, amen. And I had two really good mentors, uh, Brother Bill Philiber and my father-in-law, Brother Bill Kreese. 
and they looked a lot alike. Uh, people at the state office were always getting them confused. They were great men of God. And I had another fellow that was a, a friend of mine. He was about 10 or 12 years older than mine. They, they seemed to give me some good advice. And through the years, I've, I've heard it from others, but I really took it to heart when they said it. One of them, their brother Phil always told me, was, Gary, choose your battles carefully. You can only survive a few. Okay? Brother Kreese, I liked his better. He said, Gary, you know that any dog can whip any skunk any time, but it's not worth the stink. (laughs) And the other fella told me, he said, listen, Gary, even when you win, when it's a fight, you lose. Okay? And uh, they were talking about bad fights. Now, what are bad fights? You see, some of the battles we engage in aren't about the things that we should be fighting about. You see, they are over the wrong things at the wrong times and for the wrong reasons. If you're taking notes, Proverbs 23 says it this way. It is a man's honor to avoid strife, but every fool is quick to argue. Those guys that gave me that advice must have known me very well. But some fights are good and necessary. The Apostle Paul As he was getting ready to be beheaded, said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course. Therefore, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the righteous judge will give to me at the end. And what he went on to say, and not only me, but all those who love Jesus or love the appearance of his coming. See, some things are so important, we need to take a stand no matter what the cost. The wisdom is knowing what those things are. We come to a section of Scripture that uh, there was a fight brewing in the church, in the early New Testament church. And the fight was about the way of salvation. It was such an issue that the answer was eternally important, and it had to be grounded in a clear teaching, a correct teaching. And that's what Acts 15 is about, because they settled that argument. And basically what they give us is this. We must hold fast the doctrine of salvation by grace through faith. See, sometimes we forget how important that is, that we are saved by grace through faith. And that's the only way we are saved. And the apostles and the elders of the early church settled that for us because that's what's most important. So let's look at this early fight in the church, the good fight. First of all, notice in verses 1 through 5, the disagreement over salvation by faith. The disagreement over salvation by faith. Look at verses 1 through 5 again with me. I'll hurry. It says, And certain men came down from Judea and taught the brethren, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. Therefore, or because of that, When Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others should go to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders about this question. See, when you're talking about the disagreement over salvation by faith, notice the the intensity of the disagreement. These men come down from Jerusalem, from Judea. The early church didn't send them. They were called the Judaizers. They believed that in order to be saved, you had to accept Christ, but you had to keep the law of Moses. You had to be circumcised and do all the things that Judaism required in addition to that. 
And so it says that Paul and Barnabas had no small discussion, no small division, no small fight, if you want to put it that way, with them because of this. See, Paul and Barnabas knew that this was a question that had to be settled the correct way. It had to be answered the way Scripture would answer it. And so they stood up. Too often, I see churches fighting about things, and people are standing up, but they're standing up for the wrong things. It amazes me that Baptists will fight over the color of a carpet. Baptists will fight over the style of leadership of a pastor. Baptists will fight just because they want to fight and disagree with one another. But when it comes to doctrine and what the Bible says, they sort of let that slide. And I don't understand that. These men wouldn't do it. They stood up. And when you need to ask if it was about what the Bible says, would we stand up? Could we be counted on? And then it's not just the intensity of the disagreement, the issue of disagreement. This church was about to divide. Some were picking sides which way they believed. If they were Jewish and came from the Jewish tradition, they sort of sided with one way. If they're Gentile and, and uh, Paul and Barnabas have been teaching them, they sided with that side. And that question that was about to divide the church is the same thing, I think, that divides a lot of denominations to, to, to today. It's still the question of, that's a big deal, but it is a big deal. It's crucial to get, come to the right conclusion. The false teachers were right. You have to come to Jesus. They were wrong. You have to add this to it. Because they said you have to follow the law of Moses. You have to be circumcised. What they're really saying when somebody says that, I want you to hear me. When somebody adds something to salvation, what they're saying is that faith in Christ alone is not sufficient for your salvation. In our day, today, people still fight about that. See, some teachers today say, Look, you've got to add this to Jesus. You've got to add that to Jesus. Like his death and his work on the cross were not sufficient. It goes like this. Well, you can't be saved. You haven't been baptized. The Bible does not say that baptism saves you. Some people say, well, you've got to belong to this group or that group. My Bible doesn't say that I have to be this group or that group. It says I have to be the group of Jesus. By grace through faith. They say you have to keep the Ten Commandments. or You have to do this. You have to do that. No, you'll want to keep the Ten Commandments or whatever after you're saved. But to be saved simply means that I've repented of my sins and placed my faith in Jesus Christ. We need to understand that. You see, we need to understand that we all have the same problem. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short to the glory of God. We all have the same provision. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, that's you and I. That he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Romans 5.8 says it this way. It says God commended or showed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's our provision. But do we realize that we also have the same prescription? In Romans chapter 10, verse 11 and 12. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
Didn't say whoever belongs to this group. Didn't say whoever's baptized. Didn't say whoever does so many good deeds. You're either saved by faith or you're saved by works. And I tend to believe that the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith alone. See, that's what Ephesians 2 says when it says, For by grace you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. If I could work my way to heaven, I could stick myself out and say, Look at me. But instead, I say, look at the one who saves me. And see, wouldn't God be the cruelest father of all if we could work our way to heaven and he still made Jesus endure the cross for our sins? You can't add to or take away from the finished work of Jesus Christ. It's it's something that you need to nail down. See, if you haven't nailed it down, you need to work on it. If you haven't nailed it down, you need to get with it. If you haven't nailed it down on how salvation really is in the Bible, it's eternally important. Because if you get that answer wrong, you're not going to go where you think you're going. Wouldn't it be terrible to get to the end of life and you've climbed this ladder and you thought, I'm finally at the top, it's finally ending, and you found out you had the ladder on the wrong tree? And yet there are people today that are going to find that out because they keep adding stuff to Jesus or trying to take away from Jesus. Either his work was perfect on the cross and during the resurrection or it wasn't. Either he is the truth, which he said he was, or he was the biggest fraud that ever lived because he said there's no other way to heaven except by me. It's very exclusive and very inclusive at the same time. Our minds have a hard time wrapping around that. Whosoever will. Okay? But it's exclusive. If you don't, you don't. Let's go on. That was the disagreement of salvation by faith. What about the defense of salvation by faith? It starts talking in verse 6 about the defense. It says they came together to consider this matter because some of the some of the a Pharisaic party who had believed stood up and said they've got to be circumcised. In other words, they still got to go through the law of Moses. And the elders and the apostles came together to consider it. And it says, and when there had been much dispute, in other words, they're having a Donnybrook. If you don't know what that is, go to a bad Baptist business meeting. You'll find out what a Donnybrook is. There's no order. Everybody just stands up and says what they think. It's not spoken in love. They're angry. Things get out of control. The things are said that should never have been said, ever. I've decided Baptist business meetings, I've only been a part of a few of them, or just somebody wanting to get even with what's happened 10 years ago. If you're one of those people, shame on you. Men and brethren, you know... A good while ago, God chose us, and that's what Peter's saying. He says, I went there, I preached to Cornelius and the other Gentiles, and they were saved. And as soon as they were saved, the Holy Spirit fell on them just like it did us on the day of Pentecost. There's no difference. (laughs) That's good for you and I. That's why it's important because if God hadn't have done that, it would still be salvation just for the Jews. But it's salvation for the world. I don't think many of you are Jewish. I don't see you wearing your little... What is that called, Brother Galen? He knows, but he's not going to say anything up there. That little hat. You women would be in shawls right now, covering your heads. They don't look at me like that. I'm telling you the truth. 
Instead of having an hour for worship, you'd be two or three hours. <laughs> you should say amen that you're not that. There we go. You see, the issue of disagreement was salvation by faith. But the defense was, look, Peter turns it around. Paul says, we're saved the same way. But Peter, in verse 11, says something that we probably miss. But we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they. In other words, they're not saved in the same manner as we are. We'll be saved just like them by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ. And then, to settle it all, there's the Word of God. James, the author of our epistle, the half-brother of Jesus, stands up. Most biblical scholars think he was the pastor, the lead pastor, the church at Jerusalem. He says, listen, what Peter and Paul have said is just the fulfillment of, of prophecy. And he gives them Amos chapter 9, verses 11 and 12 there. It's Amos 9, 11, and 12. And he says, look, God was doing this. After this, I will return and rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins. I'll set it up so that the rest of mankind may see the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord about all these things. And the word of God settles it in their hearts. That it's by grace through faith. Revelation 15.9 says it this way. They sang a new song. Brother Ronnie, we're going to sing that with them one day. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered. And you redeemed a people for God by your blood from every tribe, from every language, from every nation. Hallelujah. And when it talks about the sounds of heaven, when John is in his revelation and it says the sound of many waters, a great throng. Why do you think it sounds like many waters? Because it's bubbling joy is one reason. Okay. Woo, we're with the Lamb. Y'all ought to get goosebumps. Something's wrong with you. Somebody down here saying ooh to me. Who's saying that to me? That's right. Come on. Okay. But think about it. We're going to worship together, and everybody's going to speak a different language, and we're going to understand one another because we're praising worthy is the Lamb. And since God likes color, it's going to be all different colors mixed together. Or maybe he'll arrange this according to altos and basses and sopranos and baritones. I don't know. I just know that I'm going to be able to sing, and that thrills my soul. Some of you singers, ha ha. I'm going to trade the preaching for the singing because the preaching will be done. You song guys will still have to work. <laughs> Y'all like that. But, but do you hear me? I mean, think about it. Every nation was God's plan. Every tribe, every single Language redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, by grace through faith. We didn't deserve it, but he saved us anyway. Not of my works, but of his work on the cross. Not of my effort, but by his will. Oh, my goodness. What good news. That's the good news of the gospel. See, it's not a trivial pursuit. To know your doctrine and what the doctrine of salvation is. It's vitally important. 
that you get it, you nail it down, you understand it, you know it. Because that's one thing that none of us want to be wrong on. So we need to ask, have we answered that question? How is someone saved? Do you have the right answer according to Scripture? If not, you need to get that straight today. Accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior by placing your faith in Him. Repenting of your sins. One final thing. What was the decision on salvation? After they had the disagreement, after they had the dissent, what was the decision? It's in verses 19 through 21. It says this. Therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses had had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So what was the advice? What was it? It was a doctrinal decision first. The church leaders, led by James and Peter, Paul, said, look, don't trouble them. We're not going to be saved by works. We're saved by grace through faith. He says, just write them to do some things. It's a doctrinal decision. There's no compromise. And I want to assure you that as long as you allow me to be your pastor, that's one thing we will not compromise on. We need to understand that. Some folks say, well, why do you make other denominations be baptized? Because biblical Biblical baptism follows biblical salvation. You're saved by grace through faith. You don't believe you can lose your salvation. We don't believe you do it by works. You're not done by baptism. You don't add anything to it. And therefore, to make sure that you believe just like we do, you'll say, I'll submit to baptism or you won't be a member. Somebody said, that's an awful hard thing. No, it's not. No, it's not. If we're all on the same page, we all move forward together. If we're scattered like ducks, Satan picks us off. Boom, boom, boom. Mark it down. But not only was it a doctrinal decision, I want you to know it was a practical decision. What were the requirements to ask of new believers? In other words, the requirements to live day by day after you've accepted Christ. One was holiness. He said, don't be involved in idolatry or immorality. Don't do that. God's people are to be holy because he is holy. Sounds pretty good. Then harmony. Don't offend the other brothers. Don't eat meat that's sacrificed to idols. They did that in their feast of worship to pagan gods. Don't eat uh, something that's been strangled or with the blood in it. In other words, he's saying unity. We've got to get along with one another. Don't offend the brothers. There's a lot of things lawful for me to do, just as Paul said. But there's not some things that are needful. Some things are not needful because it will offend my weaker brothers and sisters in Christ. And so I won't do them. You shouldn't either. I hate it when somebody comes up to me and some of you smart looks don't do this later. What do you think about this, Brother Gary? You already know what I think about it. If you're questioning it, you probably shouldn't be doing it. That's the simplest answer I can give. Well, I think my right is, I don't care about your rights. What about the rights of your Christian brothers and sisters that you cause to stumble? One of the biggest hindrances to witness is I visit in the community. Oh, I can't go there. I know so-and-so. And they start telling me stuff that I don't want to know about people. I think, did they really do that? I think you've got that wrong. I guarantee you I don't have it wrong. I said, well, I think you do. And then that ends the discussion. It pretty much ends the witnessing opportunity. 
They may say the same thing to you about me. Who knows? You see, we're to live holy lives. We're to live in harmony. It's the only time we should fight is when it is a doctrinal or moral issue. And morality really is a doctrinal issue too. Because we're to be holy as he is holy. Y'all shouldn't be so quiet. Thank you, Brother James, for not being quiet. (laughs) So what do you do with a message like this? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. If you have not come forward and accepted Jesus Christ publicly as your personal Lord and Savior by repenting of your sins and placing your faith in Him, you need to do that this morning. Jesus wants you to do that. Before He wants anything else out of you, He wants your heart. He wants your life. He wants you because He wants to love on you. And you need to find the courage to walk down that aisle and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Some need to come in rededication. It's not that you've been doing what we call gross immoral sins, but maybe your prayer life is slipping. Maybe your Bible study is neglected. Maybe you just don't feel as warm as you used to. And salvation is a lot more than just feelings, but feelings are sometimes an indication where we are at, where we are spiritually. Maybe you need to come join, join this church by baptism or letter or statement. I don't know. Maybe you need to come and pray for others. Maybe you need to come and thank God that he saved you and that several years ago you got it straight of what it truly meant to be saved. And you want to just praise him. Whatever it is, I'm going to pray and then we're going to stand and sing and you come as God wants you to come. Don't worry about getting out of here on time. I'm finishing early for a change so you've got plenty of time. You'll beat the other churches to lunch. Father God, Thank you for a great Sunday morning crowd. Thank you for your word. Thank you for salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, for those who haven't done that or experienced salvation yet, draw them right now. Draw them by your spirit. Convict them of their sins. Let them know you are the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes but to the Father but by you. And Father... For the rest of us who need to maybe recommit or rededicate or or surrender and join the church and put our life and work where you want us to work, then give us the courage to do that. These things I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.